Hello and welcome to TP with TP, the podcast with Tom Polos. Here, we chronicle the absurd world of entertainment and interview movers and shakers in the industry, all the while taking some blame. Today, we meet Daniel Montgomery. Oh, hi. I'm Daniel Montgomery. I am an actor. I'm a writer. I'm a director. And I'm tired. (laughs) (laughs) Well, welcome, Daniel. And to all those listening, as you know, often you are trapped with hearing my stories of woe and wonder from Hollywood and beyond. But we're bringing on some people who've been through some things. Some people have been mighty successful, but also mighty sick. (laughs) And we're very much looking forward to hearing their tales of wonder, their days of wonder. I drove by a preschool the other day called Days of Wonder, which I thought was... That's the name of the preschool? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Days of Wonder? It sounded like the happiest prison camp you've ever heard in your life. Oh, man. (laughs) I love it. It makes makes me think of Days of Thunder, which makes me think of Nicole Kidman. Oh, well, that's good. Are Are you excited for her to be married to Javier Bardem? I've seen it. Was it great? I saw it this weekend. For those who don't know what we're talking about, she plays I Love Lucy. She plays Lucille Ball in Being the Ricardos, and wow. Is she one of the Ricardos? Did she be it? She she (laughs) really bees it. Um, I I could talk about it. I could talk about it till I die and probably after. (laughs) I may come back and haunt people that don't know about it just to tell them. What do you think is your biggest takeaway from her performance in it? I think I think at the end of the day, Nicole Kidman is go- is gonna be Nicole Kidman. Mm. You know what I mean? I saw the AMC ad, yeah. Like it's gonna be it, 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 the accent's gonna be all over the place. And you know what? That's what we want. Mm-hmm, That's mm-hmm. what we need. Ha- Javier Bardem as Ricky yes. seemed like a weird choice at the time. How does it play? You know, I wasn't even looking at him. <laughs> I really was only focused on Nicole the entire time, even in scenes she wasn't in. Um, I just tar- turned off when she wasn't there. She's in most of it. Does though. Nicole Kidman have a middle name? Um, she does. I can tell you that. Oh, it is. is it? I just kidding. I don't know. I want to know. I was gonna. I was gonna Google real fast. Okay. Okay. Here we go. She's Nicole got- Kid. Mary. Mm, you, you got it. <laughs> Nicole Mary Kidman. Nicole, how could we forget? Nicole <laughs> Mary Kidman. Mary is not, I don't ever think of Mary as a middle name. Well, for the rest of my life, I think instead of Mary Christmas, I'm going to say Mary Kidman. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to make it happen. So Mary Kidman, you guys. Mary Kidman. It's so nice to say it again after all those years. Yes. Mary Kidman in a happy Nicole year. <laughs> so Daniel Montgomery. Yes. Um, you've already introduced yourself as a talented writer, director, actor. If you guys don't know Daniel's work, Google him or just flip through your channels or streaming services. You'll see him. Um, we'll make you do a little work for that. But we want to hear not just about the stories that you've been on or you've been filmed doing. We want to hear stories from your life in this bizarre world. So I'm just going to sit back, relax, and hear you tell a tale. And hopefully I won't interrupt too much. You know, I've had some bad auditions. (laughs) And when I started out, I remember my, I had a fresh new agent. And um, she, one of the first auditions she sent me on, she said, I know this seems like a little weird, but I'm going to send you on this. And it was, uh, it was to be, this was a commercial agency, which means I would be auditioning for commercials. But every now and then, that also means, you might um, audition for like an industrial for, 
you know, um, companies. And, and I am st- I had, I filmed an, an, an industrial for Disney that I'm st- on password protection that I am still on. So if you work for Disney, you see my face showing you how to make your perfect password. But this uh, agent sent me on sent me on an audition to be in person, sell like on the floor selling cars at a car show. That is not something I should do. I don't know anything about cars. And frankly, I'm not interested. But I said to my agent, sure, of course I'll do this. I would love to sell cars. And I had to go to this audition in Beverly Hills in this high-rise building. And I thought, oh, wow, I've I've made it. And I walk into the (laughs) audition. And the gentleman that I'm auditioning for, I walk into his office. It is just in his office. And he is on his desk making out with um, a woman. And they are, like, furiously making out. And I was so embarrassed. I said, oh, I'm so sorry. He said, no, no, please please come in. <laughs> and I, he, they continued to be falling all over each other. And, <laughs> and I, I couldn't believe this was happening. And he said, no, please, just stand behind desk. And I said, okay. And, and he, he, they, we had sides for us to read about, like, wow, I love this car. I love its wheels, and I know things about cars. I can't even tell you what the script was because I know nothing about cars. And he's like, just just read it to me and to my law offer. And so... <laughs> Your he, lover or offer? No, he said he's his law offer. <laughs> his shoes, his law offers. And they, like, had, like, a tripod and, a you know, an old camera and just filmed me, you know talking about cars and he said now do it in a different accent and I said oh okay and as we know I love Nicole Kidman so I did an Australian accent and he said no do you have any other accents that you do and I felt so uncomfortable and wanted so badly to get out of there like I can't like during the audition this woman was like touching him all over and running her hands like on his thighs and they were not paying attention to me and I thought I want to get like I want to get out of here I feel wildly uncomfortable I'm so wrong for this I do not want to work for this man I'll never get this and he said do you have any other accent that you do and I said no <laughs> which is something an actor should we've been trained never to say I said no I I don't just said, Australian Right? And he said, you, don't, you, 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 you want to be an actor. You don't do, you don't do anything else. Not, please, to show us more, more, more that you do. And I said, no, I'm sorry, I don't. And he's like, please get out. And like, like basically sent me out of his office. And I called my agent. I've never done this since. But I called my agent and I said, I don't ever want to audition for anything like this again. I know I'm wrong for this. And, and she was like a little apologetic. And I explained what had happened in the room. And I did not get called back, and um, I can't ever imagine selling a car <laughs> in my life. Um, do you do you get this when you're you know you live in Los Angeles, you work in Los Angeles, and obviously sense memory is everything. Do you ever drive by that area or see that building, and all you do is think about it? Because yeah. it, it almost there's certain jobs that you have that color your perception of places around town. Right, like one hundred percent. If you shoot something on the west side and you have a bad experience, you go back, you, like you drive back there, and you almost like look the other way while you're driving, to, like to yes. fake out your psyche to not have that memory. I, 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 all over this city is dusted with good and bad memories, and it truly a lot of it is where where I auditioned or filmed something because it's all over the place. That area of. I said Beverly Hills. I think it was more Century City. I have no, n- no, no, no. Century City in general is 
it's it's the brig it's the worst kind of brigadoon. It's it feels like you're, it's, it's a century while you're there and a century to get out. Well, it's and true. It's it's own, it's its own city now. I, maybe the reason why I've, I I said Beverly Hills at first and then century then Century City later is because I can't tell you where that area is and I thank God every day I don't remember where that audition is. For those listening in beautiful parts of the country that don't know where Century City is. Count your blessings. It's just, it's a hard area to get into. It's a hard area to get out of. I remember parking can't park was a for nightmare. Under, can't park for under $24. Parking, <laughs> parking was a nightmare. And I honestly can't tell, I can't tell you where that building was. And maybe, hopefully it did. Century City is like finance and medical buildings, which is why I can't imagine you would have had. Yeah, that's why I felt sick as soon as I entered. I felt <laughs> sick. So that's one. That's great. That's great. Um, I remember... There was one, Matthew, my twin brother and I, um, Matthew, when, have gone on many twin auditions in our lives. We are identical twins, so we often will audition for things. And there was a time when I was starting out that I was still non-union, which means I was not SAG after yet. And Matthew, my brother, who's right here, um, who was SAG after, and I was um, SAG eligible, meaning that... Sage, you were very wise. I was so wise. And... Um, I, which means I was eligible to join the union if I had the money to, but sometimes they tell you, wait until you have truly have the money and you can get twice the amount of work because you can work non-union and union jobs. Well, we got this twin audition and it was a non-union job. And my agent who at the time, I said to him, okay, well, Matthew and I just got this audition and Matthew and I had separate representation, separate agents. We still do have separate things. And sometimes, you know, sometimes my agent or manager will get us an audition. Sometimes Matthew's will. It just depends. And they'll sort of work together. At the time, it was tricky because I was non-union and Matthew was union. And my agent got us the audition. I said, I said, agent, this is, this is a non-union job. Matthew's union which means he can't do the job. Why should we, we shouldn't go in for this, you know? And he said, it'll be fine. They'll figure it out. Like whatever. You just, you always take the audition. You always go to the audition. You always say yes. Always use an accent. Always. Please show us your accents. So we went to the audition and nailed it. Like nailed it. They wanted, they wanted cute, a little creepy. They wanted like, like good comedic timing. Matthew and I, we were perfect for it. And we went in and I thought, oh no, this went so well. How are they going to handle, like, if we have a callback, what's the deal? So the callback came and only I was called back for this twin job. (laughs) Matthew was not called back. And I said to my agent, I said, agent, I'm called back for this twin job and my brother is not. He said, oh, you just go in, go in. Obviously, they want you for a reason. Like, go in and and you'll just see. Now, we had been on twin auditions before where they said, hey, you guys are auditioning as twins. We may use one of you if we like you more and just digitally make two of you. Or we may make both of you. Or we might make one of you into a third and you guys will be triplets. We've heard that stuff before. So I thought, okay, maybe it won't be that man. And then went into the callback and saw the casting director and the caster said, where's your brother? And I said, oh, well, he's union. He wasn't called back. And he said, what? And I said, yes, my agent just told me to come. And he said, how can you expect to come to a callback without your, twi- without your brother? And I said, you're right. Like, I- I'm just doing what I was told. And he said, you're a dumb actor. I- I'll never forget this. He said, you need to start acting like a smart actor. Do you know that we wanted to book you for this job? Do you, want- do you know that? And then you show up. And, and I said, 
I'm just my I I know and I couldn't speak and this was in front of a room of people waiting uh, to go into the audition uh, and he said get he literally he didn't say get out of my sight but he had something that said like leave you've wasted my time and yours now at the time I was filming a movie that day and I left the set of that movie to go do this callback and I went I it was the and it was literally just around the corner many memories in that neighborhood and I remember feeling shaken and embarrassed and sad and called my agent and said you know like this happened he's like oh that guy is awful and I thought maybe you are like <laughs> maybe everyone here is and I, Matthew and I were just joking about this m- minutes ago but I went back to the set of that movie you know the name of that movie I'm not kidding it was Broken Dreams <laughs> So I left, I got yelled at by a casting director and went back to the set of Broken Dreams. It was a non-union movie. <laughs> I joined the union after that. Do you, do you get the feeling that you can't, okay. Do anything right? Let me, let me rephrase. <laughs> Particularly when you're very young and you feel powerless because you kind of are powerless, that you just can't say no, you're... You're yes. Edo Annie. Like You're just a dumb actor who can't say no. Yes. Like, you, like I remember once being submitted for something that was clearly Spanish language, mm-hmm. and I do not speak Spanish. I have, you know, not, not even poquito. So I remember going, and um, everyone was, you had to improv in Spanish. What? <laughs> so, and I made it very clear to my people I took high school French. I went to Paris. And when I was there, they said, it would be easier if I spoke English. So, like, me going to the Spanish language audition is going to be something. So I go in, and it's not just Spanish. It's improv Spanish. So I go in, and we're bouncing around, bouncing around. Everyone is talking really fast. And, you know, Spanish sounds really sexy and quick. And there's, like, a lot going on. And so I just make the choice to just say, de nada, de nada. Anytime anyone said anything, I would just go, Dana. And you booked it. No, I got called back for it. (laughs) Didn't book it. But I remember remember telling that to, you know, one of my dearest friends who his first language is Spanish. And he was like, I guess that's not the worst thing you could do. But looking back on it, it feels like the worst thing I could have done. Because I was... You're always supposed to yes end, and I was. I you're was, just saying you're welcome. I was. Just, <laughs> <laughs> wow. Can't can't imagine what I was agreeing to. Well, you'll could never been, know. Could have been. We should go kill your mother. Yeah. I was like, oh. you're welcome. Yep. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> you got it, dude. <laughs> Speaking of twins, you got it, dude. Oh wow. I once was supposed to audition. I got an audition to play a black DJ. <laughs> And an, and and like uh, 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 and I had to say things I I can't say. Yeah. And I called my manager and I said like, uh, "Why am I going? Like, why on earth am I going in for this?" And she's like, "They must have made a mistake." And she called them and said they that they had made a mistake. <laughs> but there was a world where I went and showed up to that audition and read that script the way it was written. <laughs> As like very clearly like looking for a black DJ like yeah. it was the story, you know. And I thought, how did how did that happen? Like how, like what headshot did they see and say like yes, what this it, is the DJ. So those are the lows. You don't have to tell me a story with the highs because those aren't as satisfying to listen to. But what is like 
a moment where all that bad stuff felt worth it for you? Like, was there ever a moment like there are the, the moments these these moments happen where like, you know, they're not all the time, but like you, you wind up on like a set and you have a trailer with your name on it or you wind sure. up, you wind up um, seeing something and it's like something you watched as a kid and you're like, oh my gosh, that's, I'm a part of something that I, like little me would have been obsessed with. Yes. Like, it, has there been a moment like that for you? Since yes. We, we've lived with your grief. Let us share one of your I rem- victories. I remember the day I auditioned for my first, my first real booking. I I had gotten to a car accident on I was on my way to work not the audition I was on my way to my side job and I had to do the audition after my side job but on the way to the side job I got in a car accident and my car accident was I hit a police officer on a bicycle oh, Uh-huh <sighs> and y'all it turned out it was his fault cuz he was riding his bike on the wrong side of the road but I had run over a policeman <laughs> who was riding his bike and I st- and I was shaking the rest of the entire day, like hard. My body was shaking. I thought I should die for what I had done. He was fine. He ended up being fine. I made it to work on time, but I went straight to the audition after work. And it was for a show on HBO called Enlightened. And I went and I didn't have time to think about the audition because I was still literally shaking and was so traumatized from what had happened earlier that day. Did what I could, didn't even think about it, and I booked it. And it was my first, like, real credit. And I remember going onto the set that day and uh, Laura Dern and Mike White saying to me, your audition was so funny. We loved your tape. It was incredible. And we, I had to wait 12 hours to film my scene, which was insane. And I loved it. And Laura Dern came over to me. And while we were waiting, she apologized it was taking so long. And she would hold my hand between takes. Like, just not not because I was, like, scared, not because I needed it. It's just because who she was. And I thought, I'm so glad I hit that police officer on that bike. <laughs> it was so worth it to hold Laura Dern's hand. Um, I'm only half kidding. But, <laughs> yeah. Officer, if you're listening, the statute of limitations on particular manslaughter have passed. <laughs> it was his fault. Yeah. <laughs> it was his fault. Why is it so hard to get around this town? I still can't answer that because I, as you, as we all in this room know, I'm still dealing with car issues. <laughs> to that, this day. To this literal day. It is just, it, every day you don't die in Los Angeles is, is you should be, you, sh, you should thank your lucky stars. City of Angels, call it that for a reason. Yeah. This, these, Low stead people. These, these streets. Yeah. Gotta be careful on these streets. Mean streets. Mean streets. What's your... Broken dreams. Broken dreams. I like this empty road. Yes. Wake me up when September ends. <laughs> What's the, um, all right, streets. This mm. is a little bit of a tangent. What's your favorite street name in Los Angeles? My favorite street name. How do you feel about Mitchell Torina? Mm, I love Mitchell Torina. <laughs> um, wow, what a, what a great question. Thank I'm, you. I... I don't want to give my address. I love my street name. Okay. okay. Um, that's four four six nine. That's right. <laughs> and a half. I do. I live on a half. Like my address like is Harry a Potter's half. And wow, train. wow, is that a challenge? <laughs> that is a total challenge to live on a half. Um, but I mean, I love a Melrose. Mm. I li- I live near Melrose and Beverly, and they're my two best friends. It's the Mel Bev district, right? Yes. It's the Bevmo district. Mm-hmm, the Bev Mel district. <laughs> yes. I mean, every, every street is, is music. La Brea. 
La Cienega, Sierra Bonita. They're just gorgeous. <laughs> I love that about Los Angeles. You can tell who settled where. Like there's Los Angeles, then San Diego, then all of a sudden there's Anaheim. Yeah. Carl's bad. Yes. <laughs> see, see where the Germans came in. <laughs> yes, there's Pasadena, and then there's Alhambra. <laughs> there's beautiful Monrovia, mm. then Burbank. Mm, yes. <laughs> Santa Monica, which feels lifetimes away. It's so yeah. f- it's so far. And then Pacific Palisades. Pacific Palisades, Ma- Malibu. It's a lifetime. Away. Calabasas. Manhattan Beach. Ooh, yes. Huntington Long Beach. Redondo. Yeah, he you said it. Torrance. <laughs> oh wow. <laughs> Torrance can't stand your cheerleading squad. Mm. But I love your bond. <laughs> I love your pom-poms. I feed you bonbons all night. When you listen to music, doesn't it feel like all music is made for Los Angeles? Yes. Because Except for New York, New York. Mm, yeah. I guess that's true. <laughs> you got me there. Do you miss going to the movies? Oh, yeah. Do you have any stories about going to the movies in Los Angeles? Because that's always kind of weird. It's... My favorite place on earth, my favorite place on earth was the Arclight, the Arclight um, movie theater here in L.A. That is no longer, it did not make it through the pandemic. And what a tragedy. I cry, I genuinely, I cried. I, I felt like a loss. It was just the most beautiful, easy, expensive place. And I was a member and I just, I just, you could just, there were no children there were never no kids. There were three trailers max. If you were late, they don't let you in. Mm-hmm. They don't let you in. Somebody comes out, introduces the movie beforehand. They tell you who's in it. They tell you how long it is. And it is that long. And it's not 30 minutes of commercials. And then they tell you right before, if there's a problem, come find us. And Does that ever happen anywhere else in this world? Does that happen at Nordstrom Rack? I don't think so. Find somebody in a blue shirt. Mm-mm. Like that's what they'd say. Most delicious popcorn on the planet. Mm. Chicken sausage baguette, mango jalapeno with spicy mustard every day. Mm. Like so, so delicious, so good. So if I have any bad stories about movies, tell you what, not a, they weren't at the Arclight. <laughs> They certainly were. They were everywhere else. Anywhere else. I went to the movies not too long ago. And listen, when you go to the movies, it is it is etiquette. It is polite to sit through the credits. People worked on this movie. They worked hard on this movie, and you better sit. And you, you can sit for three extra minutes and think about what you just saw. You don't have to get up. Come on. Live your life. Sit for a little bit longer. You should sit through the credits. That's what you should do. It's polite. And if if it's a movie as of late, there's going to be a scene after the credits anyway. You don't want to miss it. There might even be a mid-credits scene. So I went to go see um, uh, Candyman, the 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 remake remake reboot, and it was it was my first time really back at the movies, and it was at the AMC, which you know Nicole Kidman loves AMC. She supports AMC, so mm-hmm. I will have to do the same. But mm-hmm. There's no arc light. And I was sitting and the the movie ended and there is still stuff that happens during the credit and some woman got up. She got up and was drunk and was walk and and had a push past me to get out of the you know, get out of the theater. And she looked at me and said, Why are you still sitting here? 
and I and I I I couldn't I didn't give her a response. I was like focused on the movie, and she said, "Is there something I'm missing? Like, what are you still watching?" And I thought, movie theaters are trash. <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't, I don't think I said a word to her, but, but, um, it really made me think about if I would go back to the movies again in person for a while. People say movies are the new airplanes, just etiquette no longer exists. People on their phones during the movie. Oh People, gosh, it's the, the, worst. the little white light that brights up. The worst. Yeah. It makes yeah, me, yeah. it makes me People talking over each other. Sick. People like booing. I can't stand it. I used to try and go, to, I would like to go to the movies by myself and I would go Friday mornings because no one was ever there. And I could see that movie that came out Friday. But not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so right after graduating college as a theater student, I thought, you know, I'm here in L.A. I've made it. I've got to immediately start working as an actor. I have to. And I quickly got an audition for a play that was right down the street from our apartment. And, and I... It, the play was running, had been running, and and had boasted itself as LA's longest running play. And they needed somebody that weekend to jump into the show. And I went into the audition and read the sides, and they said, "Great, you start tonight." It was that type of thing. And I thought, "Oh my gosh, okay, no rehearsal. Like, let's jump on in." And LA's longest running play was <laughs> just the name of that alone is worth. I mean, I, I think I can. I think I can say the name of the play at this point. Please. I don't know. It was called Eavesdropper, and it was <laughs> LA's longest running play. It was LA's <laughs> longest running. I don't know if you've heard. It was LA's longest running play, and it was basically this show that took place at a party, and it lasted. the The show lasted the length of the party, and it was god awful. It was just really horrendous, a horrendous piece of theater. It was, you know, could never be. It, is it, the play has since stopped running. And I don't think it could ever run again. There were terrible things in it that uh, no human being should see. And I don't think in our uh, our uh, awakened culture that we would ever do anything like it ever again. It was right on right before that kicked in, and and it was a challenging time to be in that show because of the wild LA characters that I ran into, which included um, a girl whose name changed every two weeks on Facebook and in real life she wanted to be called something different and she had some near indecipherable accent <laughs> and um, I remember before we started the show she said um, hi I'm are you nervous to start the show and I was like where is this from she was from Russia but she sounded Australian so it's just a gorgeous combination. The Gold Coast of and Ukraine. She, she said, are you nervous? Are you scared? This is you for sure, please, to do the sure. And I couldn't wrap my brain around this girl. And she, um, at one point, um, uh, I, I, I learned that um, she had had a previous career in the adult, the adult entertainment industry. And she went by a different name for that. <laughs> and, um, and No wonder her mouth didn't work. Ooh! I'm so sorry. And uh, she ended up disappearing for a while, literally, and she was engaged to somebody else in the cast, and he called me and said, I know that that um, she's been with you for the past, staying with you for the past couple weeks, but if you could just tell her that I'm thinking about her, and I hadn't seen her in two weeks. I She just, she fled. She fled Los Angeles. <laughs> she also one time said that um, Lindsay Lohan was coming to the show, <laughs> and that... Um, 
her her god godmother Kira Cedric was coming to the show, <laughs> and she and someone called the theater and said, "I cannot make it tonight, but I would love to see my goddaughter in the show, but I can't make it. I'm Kira Cedric," <laughs> and and she, we all just were like, "Oh, too bad Kira couldn't make it." And um, that was an interesting character that I ran into. There was also another woman who was literally on crack actually smoking crack backstage and had a personal assistant and would frequently uh, the 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 director of the show wanted he said he wanted more nudity in the show he thought any chance we can see nudity like it would be great and we were sitting backstage and she said you mean like this nudity and pulled down her top and she shook her tits (laughs) she shook her tits all over the backstage and her assistant took notes as she did and um there was another person in the show who was um, a reverend of the Church of Marijuana. And that's not a joke. That's liter- like literally he was. There was a church and he was a reverend. And he was very stoned a lot of the time. And he quit the show one night during the show. <laughs> and he brought his bike from backstage from which he would ride to the show. And he rode his bike through the set, through this during the show, through the stage, and off into the audience. And we had to finish the show without his character. <laughs> Um, there was one moment when the sh- the show was shut down um, because nobody was coming to LA's longest running show, and um, our, the guy that was funding the show um, recent this gets a little serious for a second, but recently found out that he was HIV positive, and for some reason they would the the powers that be or whatever would not fund the production because they thought he uh, his health was hazardous to the company because he was um, hooking up with cast members for parts to give them up the part in the sh- pe- people that wanted to mm. have a big part in the show that old chestnut he would you know they would interact in an inappropriate way and we had just fe- the cast had just found out about that and we were at a, at a meeting and he got the phone call that the fo- the that it would not be the show would not continue and there was a stack of CDs on the set and he knocked over the stack of CDs they broke and then he picked up a broken CD and started slashing at his arm and until he bled and said like this is my blood this is the blood that won't fund the show and I had to leave <laughs> um, and I took LA's longest walk away from that show longest run away from that show and uh, they called and apologized and asked me to come back and I Never return that call. This is the blood that won't fund this show is like something out of a Paul Thomas Anderson movie, but I, it's real life. I wish I could make any of that up, and that is just the tip of that iceberg. There, it, I, I genuinely thought while I was doing it, I could make a movie, like I could I've got to yeah, write a book. It definitely seems like ripe for an Aaron Sorkin um, yeah. level. Yeah, it, 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 it was really wild, and the play did close. <laughs> So what's LA's running, longest running play now? We have to look into this. Um, I I think it still may be it still may hold the record because it did run I think for twenty years, if I'm not mistaken. I'm looking at our producer Ev right now, hoping he's seen this, this play. Complex, right? Have you seen this? Play? It was all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> LA's. I mean, does it still? It might still show up. I'm um, okay. Qu- a quick Google. What is it? Book of Mormon. Let's see. No, it keeps it keeps wanting me to buy tickets to Wicked. <laughs> it's not <Yeah>. helping. <laughs> Did you want to buy tickets for Wicked? 
maybe if I add the name, let's see if that helps. I mean, brownpapertickets.com um, still has a website for it. Really? Eavesdropper, LA's longest running play. What's the most? At the Actors Garden off of Wilton. Yes, that I, I had left the show by then. Okay, the critics rave. Here are the critics raving. The San Francisco Chronicle called it the new cult classic. The LA Times. There's a Twitter for it. The LA Times gave it four stars. Wow. Audience. Lynn. Wait, okay, then there's a session for audience feedback. Eavesdropper is what's happening right now, Greg. That's right. Eavesdropper is Greg. a play. Eavesdropper is a play. <laughs> Greg. Stewart. <laughs> Eavesdropper is on Wilton. Tony. Mary. Nicole, Mary, Nicole, Tony Mary Kidman. Kidman. Um, Jamal wrote the best play I have seen in LA in 15 years. Well, good for him. It's it's been and the only him. play he says. <laughs> Run to see my goddaughter, Kira Cedric. <laughs> Deeply moving, Ilya. Uh, maybe she, say, she might say I am moving. I don't know. Um, okay, here's the tagline: Everyone's got secrets. Everyone has problems. What would you confess if you knew? No one was there. Eavesdropper. David Svengali says, I've seen it 42 times. (laughs) David Svengali has seen it 42 times. David Svengali says, I've seen it 42 times, and I'm so, so sick. (laughs) (laughs) Daniel, it's been a pleasure. Now I want to give you a chance. You've given our audience so much. Um, What can they give you? What are you doing? What are you... uh, what can you tell them to support you in? Oh wow. I I'm trying to do it all. I I have my own podcast with my twin brother Matthew. We do um we talk about goosebumps. So you can listen to us talk about the goosebumps. The book, not the not the physical ailment. Oh, that's right. As if there are any other kind. We talk about yes, the R.L. Stein um book series and TV series and movies and such, but mostly book series and the TV series. Please give it a listen anywhere you get podcasts and um, you know, I'm just I'm trying to make all the things. I have a movie coming out called The Jessica Cabin that I wrote and directed and I'm starring in. <laughs> and you can follow me, I guess, on Instagram. I, I'm at Daniel X Montgomery. The X doesn't stand for anything. It's just what was available. So it was, it's just at Daniel X Montgomery. And you can see me on TV sometime. I'll be, I'll be around. Woo, woo. I'm there. Thank you, Daniel. Appreciate you. Thank you. Love you. That's a wrap for this week's TP with TP. <laughs> See you at the after party.